Welcome to episode 224 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review round two of the 2022 NRL season. We discuss multicultural round and to lose and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 224 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, multicultural round. This is our bread and butter. Do you feel like this is your time? This is my time to shine. This is my time to party. (laughs) Um, This is Australia... Um, oh, wait, maybe not. This is uh, what's the best multicultural song out there, Dr. T? I'm not too sure, but uh, we are one, but we are mighty. I am, you are, we are Australian. Maybe that's that is the multicultural song, but look, I am feeling very SBS today and um, getting super excited. Maybe all the games should be broadcast on SBS for this multicultural round. What do you say? What do you say, Dr. T? Can we can we petition the NRL to make that happen? I think that's a great idea. I think it's the one round where we need to, you know, not only that, I think we should just give up, give over uh, commentating duties to mm. to other nationalities, to people with other nationalities. In fact, you know, I'd love to see one of the soccer commentators yeah. from South America mm. commentate on, you know, on one of the NRL games. I'd like to see them go... Like that. I just yeah. want to see. I want to hear. I want to hear them. Uh, oh, look, you know. Yeah. I want to hear the next Cowboys game. I want to hear Tumalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalal
is in a commentary box. I think, uh, mm. you know, we hear the same same sort of people all the time. It's hard enough getting some women on the commentary yeah. commentary team, let alone other nationalities. And I think, um, you know, Braith and Astor aside, um, <laughs> <laughs> who else do you know? You know, Michael well, Ennis. Well, I was critical um, of this, of, of, of his particular commentary. Um, and I kind of don't want to see him commentary, but it was it was a bit more multicultural. But Sonny Bill Williams, <laughs> right? Ah, there you go. Yeah, uh, his commentary. Look, but it's very pro rooster. That is the problem. Um, now uh, I'm pretty sure so you he can't won- win them all. You can't he, win them all, Tish. Yeah, and I think it is a bit of a uh, if Phil Gould, Brad Fittler, and Sonny Bill Williams are in the commentary position, right? It is. It is <laughs> three people associated with one club and. No matter who they're playing, it just it just I don't know. It just comes across one way. I mean, that's what that was my my, my criticism. But, but but yeah. But look, Sunny Bill, and look, we could add. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure down the line there there will be uh, as more and more sort of ethnicities are taking up rugby league. Um, you know, I'm sure we hopefully will see a lot more diversity uh, in the presentation of rugby league across the board, not just in commentary and so forth, but. Look, other than the multicultural round, I've got to say round one and two has definitely delivered from a pure entertainment value. Um, I've got to say some great wow. games over the weekend too, right, Dr. T? You've, you must have absolutely loved the rugby league. Oh, absolutely. There's some some cracking games that we have to talk about. But look, the other thing we're going to talk about is, of course, the the shocking news that has reverberated mm. around, around the sporting world. Um, and, of course, I'm not talking about Ash Barty retiring. I'm talking about Toulouse winning against the reigning premiers. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Well, not in a minute. In a, yeah. In a little while later on in, in the episode. But Well, it, it's flipped the world upside down. Such shocking news. So much so that the number one tennis player in the world has decided to quit when she heard about this victory. Unbelievable. Are you, well, are you yeah, you're suggesting that it's, there's a direct relationship between one thing and the other. Is I, that right? I think so. I think, I think, um, you know, you've got uh, the reigning English champions of Wimbledon losing to the French, um, you know, the, the fr- their French counterpart, right? So, uh, you know, wow. two big tennis nations and uh, in the middle of it, our, our poor Australian Aussie has, has decided to just give it all away. Unbelievable. Wow. Well, let's, let's hope that, um, that, that Vladimir Putin uh, sees the news of Toulouse's victory and mm. realizes that there's uh, there's other things going on in the world that he needs to uh, he needs to consider pay you attention know? to there's, yeah absolutely that's yeah. right that's right all yeah. right look enough of that shenanigans let's get into the NRL <laughs> let's get into our six tackles we are going to start with round the round two review tackle number one here we go tackle number one. Right. Let me quickly go through the scores for a very interesting uh, round two of the NRL, and then we'll see if we can pinpoint uh, some of our highlights rather than go through each game. Um, so the first game was uh, Melbourne, a tight one, 15-14 over the Rabbitohs. Bit of controversy there uh, in front of a crowd of 13,000 at Amy Park in Melbourne. The Dragons uh, defeated narrowly by the Penrith Panthers, 20 points to 16 for under 10,000. Sydney Roosters flogging Manly Warringah Seagulls, 26 to 12 at the Sydney Cricket Ground in front of 11,000. Wow. 
Um, the Titans, a tight one against the Warriors, 20 to 18 at Seabus Super Stadium in front of 13,000. The Sharks, another tight one, 18 16. Uh, with a last-minute kind of victory there against the Eels uh, in front of 11,000 at Point Bet Stadium. The Cowboys back with a vengeance, 26-6, flogging the Canberra Raiders at Queensland Country Bank Stadium in front of around 13,000 fans. The Knights, 26-4, flogging your West Tigers at McDonald Jones Stadium in front of a huge 23,000 in Newcastle. And finally, the Broncos winning the tight one against the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, 16-10 to 10 at Stadium Australia, in front of 13,000. Uh, Tish, look, you did say the, the first two rounds have delivered. This one in particular, oh, look, there's so much there, isn't there? There's, there was the few floggings that occurred were... A bit of a surprise, I would say, uh, in terms of what we saw and, and the the level of dominance of the team, the, the teams that won. But what was really interesting was how close some of the games were. I mean, we're talking, you know, let me count this up. We've got one, two, three, four, five games were within six points of yeah. a margin, which is, you know, like as a rugby league fan to think that, you know, that's a converted try. That means that up until the end, either side could have won or could have, uh, you know, could have had a draw, uh, which would have led to a point, you know, a golden point kind of extra time. Um, you know, that's the kind of closeness you want. Obviously, a couple of games were a little bit, <laughs> bit of a flogging. In fact, three of the games were, um, you know, ironically, three of the games, the winners won by one with a 26 points four. Uh, so that was un- that was highly unusual. I wonder if you could have had a bet on that. <laughs> the, the three winning yeah. ga- teams, uh, twenty six points, really unusual. But Tish, what were your one or two highlights that you want to sort of mention from this weekend's games? Yeah, well, look, you mentioned about the closeness of the scores, um, and to give you an idea, right? Like in you know, the last season, in the first two rounds, there were um, there were deficits in excess of thirty points. Um, for roughly, I think, about five or six games out of the f- opening two rounds. Um, I don't think we've had a deficit of uh, of up to 30 points yet, right? It's been 26. And it's, you know, as you said, five of the games were were less than, a, you know, less than six points. So, so, so a try, a score in it is basically the difference between uh, the lineups. So, um, you know, the the un the you know, the the tagline of uh, it's so real it's unreal. I know we were making fun of it last week, but um, sort of eating my words a little bit because I've got to say this season um, so far it is delivered on that slogan. It definitely has. I mean, the first one is the. I mean, for me, South Sydney, um, they were down. They played poorly for pretty much 65 minutes of the whole game. Then in the last 15 minutes, able to draw that game with like maybe 10 seconds left with a you know two-point field goal by Latrell Mitchell. Absolutely unbelievable. And to have somehow the Melbourne Storm win on the 500th game after, uh, you know, after, uh, you know, the momentum swing to, to um, you know, to, to the uh, Rabbitohs, that game for me, that was, that was truly spectacular. spectacular. That was so real and it's unreal. And the other one, look, I know the Tigers lost and we'll be talking about a, a, a lot of them, but 
Um, one thing not really talked about a lot is, um, you know, I'd say the first player in the NRL that I know of who is actually going to represent Jamaica in the, in the following World Cup, but Dom Young scoring a try for Newcastle. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a, I think his height is two metres and like one centimetre or something like this. So um, a very, very tall player. But the fact that he was able to score his very first try in the NRL, I, I don't know of any other Jamaican descent players um, that have ever played in the NRL, let alone score a try. So I think well done. Two, two highlight moments for me are those two. What about and, – and I've got to say, the return of Rugby League to Shark Park. It looked absolutely amazing on TV. Um, unfortunately, that and it was a bit of a thriller, but unfortunately for your Parramatta Eels, um, you know, the Sharks, they have a home ground advantage anymore, uh, more and, and took full use of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, I, I want to go back to the Storm and Rabbitohs game. I mean, what a what a game. And and I have to say, there was the controversy after the game, which, which inevitably involved our friend Latrell Mitchell. Um, <laughs> he never seems to escape controversy. Uh, obviously, what happened was with his two-point field goal, a momentous occasion, bringing them back back in on level, level score, ties the game, uh, you know, really emotional kind of effort. And uh, and what does he do? He, uh, he sort of cups his ear to the crowd as if to say, what, I can't hear you, that kind of thing, mocks the crowd in a way. Um, and what do you think happens afterwards when the Melbourne Storm, uh, you know, win win the game? Uh, you've got is it Brandon Smith, I think, on the sideline? Yeah, doing the same thing, kind of, you know, mocking him back, um, mm. cupping his ears as if to say, "What didn't he?" You know, that kind of thing. Um, it's look, it's it's a bit of controversy. I don't know if. You know, it's a media beat-up. It sounds as like the, they're saying that, you know, the, the Rabbitohs officials and, and club and team are annoyed with Brandon Smith and, and you know, because of what he did, which kind of is ironic because it all stems from uh, Latrell's mocking gesture to begin with. So, um, look, whichever way you look at it, whether it's a beat-up or not, at mm. the end of the day, I think we need more of this kind of – it looked like a bit of fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just he's mocking Latrell for the fact he mocked his own his his home crowd. Of course, he's going yeah. to if, if, you know fight for them. And I think, look, we need more characters in the game. I'm just sort of sick of seeing these examples of things that are just such minor points and and things that you'd go, oh, you know, that's that's funny. That's a bit of a laugh. But then because the media beats it up so much, mm. it makes it look like it's a controversy that people care about or or that that the people are annoyed about. I think. Honestly, like if you were playing with mates, you'd do that <laughs> to a mate who mocked your 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 team. Uh, if they end up losing, and at the end of the day, you go have a beer afterwards with everyone, and it wouldn't even be an issue. But because the media is such sort of a, a sway over public opinion on these things, it turns it's turned it all into now Brandon Smith's the villain, uh, which is kind of ridiculous. So a bit of a media beat up there, but in terms of the games themselves, I have to say, um, look, there was some really impressive play from the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, I've got to say, you know, Adam Reynolds coming back definitely sort of give gave them the structure that they needed. They were losing at one point to the Bulldogs and they had to come back. So, um, and it was a, probably one of the greatest no tries that you'll ever see. 
um, a between-the-legs tunnel ball kind of pass from Adam Reynolds mm. to his winger on the sideline. Yeah. Who, uh, I forget who it was, but who basically nonchalantly went over and dropped the ball. And they had to go to the... Um, the video ref, the bunker, who adjudicated that he had actually fumbled the ball, lost control, say so it was a, deemed a no try, but it was a it would have been a superb try nonetheless. And look, I've got to say one of the lowlights of the weekend was the Eels um, managing to grasp defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> they were winning with a couple of minutes to go, a an absolute brain explosion from Ray Stone. Oh who God. gave a, a silly penalty away, mm. who gave Cronulla the momentum. And uh, look, it's just, it's absolutely not on. Uh, he's, you know, yeah. I think we saw Ray Stone make some brain explosions at the end of last year when it mattered most. And I think, uh, especially in the finals, and I thought, geez, I think Brad Arthur needs to have a word to him and some of the mm. other players to just, um, you know, the Eels have been widely considered one of the contenders of for the Premiership this year after their performances in the last few years. Um, I think that kind of behaviour is uh, is going to put a, a spanner in the works there. I think we can't have uh, that kind of level of stupidity going on. So yeah. I'm very disappointed as an Eels fan. Um, heartened that they got to a point where they're in a match-winning position, but I think... If I think they need to learn from this and then they need to learn the lesson now as opposed to a week out from the finals. Uh, hopefully they'll mm. learn about the uh, the thing that the teams like the Storm and the Roosters and to some extent the Rabbitohs do, which is they just play smart. They just they they play intelligently. They don't um, they do what they need to do to win the game and uh, and don't. You know, you very rarely see Melbourne uh, in a position where they just give the game away like that, and this is what happened. So the Eels would would be uh, right to feel filthy about about some some of their behaviour that has led to defeat. They would be equal top on the table if it weren't for this. So, um, but yeah, congratulations to the Sharks. The Sharks again, I've tipped them to make the top eight, and I'm telling you that I saw some really good. Um, attacking football from the Sharks, especially by Matt Moylan. So I think yeah. Matt Moylan is one of these players that I think he's a bit forgotten. I think we forgot that at the mm. time when we needed him for the Blues, he kind of performed well, but he wasn't really – things weren't gelling. So yeah. he's kind of become a bit of a forgotten man. But I think he's a bit of a dark horse. And I did say, you know, when we did our – um, crystal ball episode. Uh, there were quite a few players that we could consider for Renaissance Man of the Year. I my pick was Jack Bird, but I think Matt Moylan uh, is showing that he he is not to be forgotten. So uh, let's see what goes on towards the end of the year. But the signs are the early signs are good that Matt Moylan will make a big impact this year at the Sharks. Um, I think the Sharks, in my mind, will be a little bit like the eel the Sea Eagles were. Last year, they flew under the radar and surprised everyone uh, and slowly crept their way up the ladder from an initial poor start. And I think the Sharks, not that they're having a poor start, but I think they're going to be that team that flies under the radar and no one will care much about them until the very end when they're probably going to you know, battle for a top four spot and surprise everyone. So, Tish, those are my uh, highlights for the weekend. Uh, shall we move on to round uh, tackle number two? Yeah, let's do it.
right, here we go. Tackle number two, the NRL launches the multicultural round. Here we go. All right, so the NRL yesterday, uh, so Tuesday this week, has launched the game's inaugural multicultural round, celebrating the different cultures which make up the rugby league community. Um, the uh, so round so round three of the NRL Telstra Premiership and uh, this week is going to be round five of the NRLW Telstra Women's Premiership will be the first multicultural round which joins other themed rounds celebrated annually by the NRL. I'm kind of surprised, Tish, mm. that we haven't had one up until now. The, surely yeah. we've done things like this in the past. But look, regardless, it is aligned with uh, Harmony Week. I suppose, that's celebrated all over the world. The theme of the multicultural round, there's always a theme, is Stronger Together, which is about celebrating how rugby league brings diverse communities and cultures together. And just some little facts for you, um, that in terms of uh, the NRL, 161 players in the NRL have parents born overseas. Uh, and in the NRLW, 35 of, of the players, obviously they have a smaller player pool, but 35 players have parents born overseas. And 77 actual NRL players were born overseas as compared to 34 NRLW players that were born overseas. So, um, you know, that's that's a really great statistic that shows that the players that are part of this competition come from diverse backgrounds. And of course, let's not forget the ARL chairman, uh, the sorry, the ARL commission chairman Peter Volandis, uh, Volandemort as we call him, mm. um, uh, obviously has a big uh, a big role to play in this, given that he's from a migrant background. He said it was important to celebrate the role of rugby league has played in uniting cultures. Um, and I'll do a little bit of a quote. He says that rugby league or as he says, a rugby league helps people assimilate and understand and respect each other's cultural backgrounds. Uh, he says, I know that because as a young kid from migrant parents, I found it extremely difficult to fit in. It was playing rugby league that allowed me to assimilate and be accepted. It helped me to become an Aussie and I will always be grateful to the game. So that's really good there uh, to get it directly from the ARL commission chairman and Look, as I said, we joked earlier about, you know, what we need is more multicultural commentators to give us a flavour of uh, like the South American soccer style commentator with full of passion, you know, that kind of thing. Um, look, I'm, I'm kind of, we were kind of half joking, but I'm kind of serious as well. I think mm. maybe this is an opportunity to think about ways that we could do some different things in the NRL. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe it is the case that that the commentating teams on the different, um, you know, TV channels that, that cover rugby league games, Fox and Channel 9, et cetera, um, and any other ones, uh, that, that they, they, they have some representation from someone in maybe in a community that doesn't really understand rugby league that well. Maybe what we could do is have, uh, have a, a translator there in a different, different culture, different language, to translate parts of the game, or to, or to you know have a little bit of, bit of a video or a spiel about rugby league, uh, and what it means to migrant communities in in Australia, and and have that translated into different languages. You know things like that. There's so much we could do beyond just uh, you know 
having a themed round where we say we're going to support multiculturalism, but we don't do anything to reach out to migrant communities. Keeping in mind that at the moment, even though we have a diverse plane roster in the NRL, a lot of it is dominated by obviously Polynesian and Melanesian players, so players from South Pacific Islands, uh, New Zealanders, etc. Um, but not so much from some of the other migrant cultures that have made a name for themselves here in in Australia. There are a few Italians, I think, here and there, a few Lebanese, mm. um, not many from, from Asian cultures, I think, uh, that I know of. I can't really name a a big name, say, Chinese or Japanese mm. uh, background I'm player. I was, I th- <laughs> and I don't know this, but uh, is it is it Shibashaki? <laughs> from um, from Newcastle, and I think there is uh well, I don't know about Craig Wynn and Matt Singh, but I have a feeling that they might be um, at least part Asian culture. And I think also, okay, yeah, there uh, are Payne, some. There are I some. I believe Payne Haas is actually uh, Filipino on one side as well. Yes, I think you're right. So there are some, and we know that there are um, definitely, uh, you know. Uh, other cultures represented rather uh, other than uh, I think we have some Africans as well. Let, let me just say there's yeah, definitely you're Moses some, that's right. And, and, and a few others as well. So there are some um, mm. that have a background that, it, that it moves beyond um, kind of the South Pacific Islander nations. Um, but yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. I think maybe what we do, maybe we have a, a uh, yes, stronger together, but maybe we have a bit of a goal each year at these yeah. multicultural rounds where we try to recruit more. You know, we we target particular communities mm. and we focus on on recruitment and and that kind of thing. And look, the thing is, this is a, a World Cup year. We are going to hear about other countries playing rugby league. This will be a great opportunity to sort of let people know in Australia that you know if you're from. Um, Jamaica, did you know that there is a Jamaican rugby league team? Yeah, you know that 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 is in the World Cup or, or whatever the case may be. So you know, the, there's things that we could do to kind of promote the game a bit more. But I think it's good that um, not before time that we've had that we've now had an an in or we're about to embark on an inaugural multicultural round. Um, it would be good to have a bit more details about what that means and what what. Um, what it looks like rather than just talking about it. Um, but, yeah, look, my wacky idea, commentators, Tish, I'm going to give you a chance to come up with a wacky idea. Yeah. What could we do? Uh, you know, could we have, instead of our 4 and 20 meat pies at the games, could we have some curry pies or something, yeah. you know, something a bit different, some samosas instead of meat pies Yeah. at, uh, uh, at catering venues? What do you reckon? I- I think so too. I think um, have the food trucks out there of all the different Ooh, types of yeah. uh, types of dishes and things like this. Um, you know, like uh, you know sushi and and like you know uh, and like you know I know South American like Peruvian food. Um, uh, oh, is it bolas? Yeah. I think I can't remember that. But anyway, but it, it'll be great, you know. And I think we need to celebrate um, some of the pioneers of um you know multicultural rugby league you know let's let's you know let's have a presentation uh, you know for Benny Elias for example you know for for Mario Fennick you know representing Maltese for Craig Salvatore you know for oh yeah for the, for the Italians you know and Cherry um, Mesha Dean Sheffield 
Yeah, Dean, Dean Chivaletti. Yeah, Do you remember right. Dean Chivaletti? I don't know what yeah. nationality. I think he's Italian, but anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Steve, Steve Georgialis, for example, for, for, for the Greek community. And um, I actually thought David Barsari, but I can't remember his uh, background. But um, Basari. Oh, that's, I think he's that's Lebanese. Pretty, David Lebanese, Basari. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, the, the, there's a lot there. And, and, and let's not forget Portuguese great Blake Austin. Um, <laughs> like, you know, again, another person uh, representing, you know, re- representing Port- Portugal, you know. The Cristiano Ronaldo of of <laughs> rugby league in Portugal is Blake Austin. Did you is, know that? Is Blake Austin. He is so well known. Yeah. I, I, look, I think we should celebrate these these players. And um, I'm trying to think of the – there was a player that used to be the fullback for Canberra, I believe, who is um, – Sort of of Eastern European. I want to say Russian, but I could be wrong as well. But you know, he was a great Ooh, goal kicker. Okay. I remember. I was just trying to. You know, his name sort of escapes me. But um, you know, I think I think we should. I mean, it, it is it is you know all in a bit bit of fun. But I also feel that there there could actually also be uh, merit to it as well that we do actually um, try and um, try and incorporate these cultures into. Um, uh, Absolutely. You know, yeah, and yeah. some of these former players of the past, right? You know, um, so Tisha, even though it's a joke, we we kind of are joking about it. But to be honest, I think some of these ideas have a little bit of merit. I mean, look, who is one player? Let me tell you, who's one player that we could honour? Who has a multicultural background? Who was well renowned, well respected, and who we recently, you know, who passed away recently? Oh, also Tommy Radonikus. Oh, okay. Sorry. Who, who did you say? Oh, well, well we could do that. I was thinking more. Yeah, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, I think Tommy Radonikus. Well, maybe yeah. we could do a combined thing. And I think, look, why not have have a bit of a uh, look, have a bit of a trophy for the most. Mm. Uh, I don't know, like some Tommy Radonikus Memorial Medal um, for for the person who's done the most for multicultural relations in rugby mm. league. You know, like there's things like this that they could do that really highlight, celebrate success, that kind of thing, um, and and you know remind us that that the multicultural kind of the uh, the increase in the number of people from multicultural backgrounds that have that have played the game or are playing or involved in the game isn't just happening in this generation. Mm. Like Tommy Radonik has played in the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, and and even though he's as Aussie as you come in terms of uh, the way he the the way he used to talk and and the iconic sort of contribution he made to to the blues and and to you know the bring back the Biff kind of culture and all that kind of thing, um, you know there's something to be said for let's not forget he he does have a Greek background, mm. you know, and, and, and let's not forget also from the, the Bulldogs, we've got a, an absolutely rich history of, of lots of players from multicultural backgrounds there. Yeah. Of course, isn't the chairman currently George Paponis or was at one point who obviously, you know, again, a player from the seventies, yeah. Greek background, um, you know, administrator now and all that kind of thing. So, you know, this is the kind of thing that we we could definitely push for the NRL to make more of a uh, contribution and and uh, some real concrete examples of actions that they can take. Yeah, absolutely. And 
and look, not just, uh, I know we're talking about the playing group and everything like that, but one thing that is definitely the case is the audience for rugby league, right? Um, you go to a game now and there are people from all sorts of cultures um, watching rugby league now, right? And, um, you know, uh, you'll find rugby league fans in every community, um, you know, no matter what the community is. And uh, it's it's really great to see because it is a game that is easy to understand, um, and it's easy to, to see. I think when you're on the field, like, um, you know, when you're watching a game of rugby league, it's easy to see who are the, the good players and who are the player, the team that's winning. And it's such a great game to sort of get behind. So I, I, I feel like, you know, I think it's also a celebration of, of the different fans. I remember um, back in the 90s, I, I want to say that the Bulldogs almost marketed themselves as the multicultural club. And, um, you know, and they used to have multicultural day. I remember they used to do things like that, right, you know, and um, have sort of, um, you know, entertainment. Like the entertainment wasn't just, you know, um, you know, the local high school bands getting together and doing Nutbush City, right? It, like they used to have like different, um, you know, different cultural dances and different cultural um, entertainment as the halftime entertainment uh, you know, topped off with, you know, beat the mascot around the yard to win a car, right? You know, like, <laughs> um, but I think that's, and that's probably something that rugby league can adopt to make the game day experience a lot better. So, um, look, this is a great initiative by the NRL. Um, and it's great to have a dedicated round for this, but I do feel that, that the, that the multicultural thing, it, like, I think it's got to go beyond just the one round. I feel like it's something that you can incorporate. I'm sure the local community groups that have, you know, different cultural um, traditions happening, you know, if any of the clubs reached out and said, Hey, you know, um, we would like you guys to put on a show showcasing your, you know, showcasing your, your, your culture during the halftime of our game this weekend, I'm sure so many of these community groups would be uh, willing to do that, right, Doctor T? Absolutely. And look at my look. My final thought is obviously food related, Tish. And I think <laughs> look, just as you see the ice cream vendors walking around giving choc tops mm. at games, I think what we need is uh, someone selling kebabs. Yeah, uh, it's as simple as that. Kebab. Yep, you got a lamb one. I want one lamb, one chicken. Thanks. Chuck it over here. And you know, kebabs are packaged in such a way that you can uh, hurl them like a like a football, like a javelin. Yeah. So, so there you go. Look, well, that's that's yep. Well, uh, you know, we we do. That's a great idea, and I think food is multicultural all the way. And the good news is, Doctor T, that they've actually uh, round four is actually gym junkie uh, round, um, where we celebrate, um, you know, biceps and triceps. So um, it will, so um, you know, a good chance to eat up this round and uh, get in the gym for next round. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to tackle number three, which is about your tigers. Here we go. All right, the tigers have been caught. Um, Playing pokies the night before their loss to Newcastle this weekend. Um, there's some reports that a couple of the players. I I'm just checking which were which ones were the players. Dane Laurie and mm. James Roberts were reportedly spotted in a popular Newcastle pub on Saturday night playing poker machines. Now, Tish, my question here is. 
look, at the end of the day, it was two of them. It wasn't a big party. It was most likely they went, uh, from what I hear, the pub was within walking distance from their the club hotel, the hotel where the club, uh, the, the team stayed. Um, most likely it's just two blokes uh, with permission from their coaching staff going out for a bit of a, a bite to eat and then, you know, maybe spending a few few minutes on the pokies as far as we know. There was no indication that they did anything untoward. There was no punch-ups because uh, because the, the Las Vegas uh, pyramid machine mm-hmm. didn't give them their $2 payout. There was none of that. It was literally someone spotted them playing pokies and obviously – they then uh, got dobbed in by people who were annoyed that they didn't turn in a good performance the next day at uh, against Tish. My question is, this seems like much ado about nothing. <laughs> they didn't, as far as I'm concerned, they weren't out, uh, you know, were they out at all, you know, breached their own team curfew. I, su- I assume it was a sort of a curfew when players would be expected to get 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 into bed and get some good night's rest before a big game. Um, you know, I don't have a personal problem with players going to a pub and getting a meal. I mean, people are allowed to eat. <laughs> and I think playing pokies, I don't think, unless they have a, a team ban against gambling, even just a casual gambling thing like that, Again, I don't see a big problem with it. My my sort of comment on this is that I think this is just a media beat-up. There's some people in the media that are just really keen to get stuck into the Tigers for whatever reason and looking for any opportunity to kind of bring them down, um, more so than other teams. And I don't know what, why that is. Um, but, Tish, I'm talking as a non-Tigers fan. As a Tigers fan... Do you think that this was a media beat-up or are you filthy at, at your own players for uh, not, uh, you know, maybe they should have gone to another restaurant where, instead of a pub to get a meal? Um, what is your view about what happened and is it a media beat-up or not? Well, Dr. T, the first, when I first heard this story, the first thing I wanted to see is did they did they win? Because right now we don't win anything. Right. <laughs> so if they had actually been up a hundred bucks, thirty bucks, even one dollar, if they had made one dollar profit, I would have been so happy because at least the Tigers have won something this year. Um, so look, this is what happens when you're down, right? Like there is even a greater micromanagement, <laughs> right? Um, from the media, from you know, the supporters, because we want answers and um you know, we want to know why the team is performing so badly, right? And um, and look, I don't think this is, uh, you know, look, I think everybody, uh, you know, you're if you're a professional football player, I mean, your job is to play rugby league and play to the best of your ability. And you might need to have, you know, a good night out the next, you know, before the next day sort of game. So if that's what they were doing, that's what that, you know, then, then that's part of it. But yeah, look, I think, um, they did go to apparently the, one of the most popular hotels in Newcastle, so they would have been spotted. Like it, it's not a difficult place. Um, so look, but if they ended up winning, this would have been a non-story as well. So I think the big problem is is more what's happening during training and what's happening at the club to actually build 
these players. Um, you know, there is a there is a perception by a lot of people that um, that you know if the next time that the West Tigers actually get to the finals and win a premiership, probably nobody that's in their current roster will be there, right? Because you know these players aren't rated too highly in a lot of people's books in terms of being able to make it to the finals, which is kind of very scary when you think about that roster. But that's how poor they've been performing. So. You know, it was interesting, like, you know, um, on Sunday, I think I saw some, you know, Cooper Cronk was talking about the different training drills they do at Melbourne, obviously, you know, in light of Craig Bellamy's 500. And one of the things he mentioned was, like, the different situations that they train on, like the high-pressure moments that they train on. Like, for example, you know, um, they'll have a two-minute drill. What You know, two minutes left on the clock, you got to kick a field goal to win what's the set and then you know they actually practice those sets and um you know i think the west tigers need to start doing those type of situational training if they're not because you know when they're like trying to get out of trouble uh when they try to when they hit a break for example i feel like they're so surprised i mean they had more line breaks in newcastle than they came um and you know jackson hastings cut 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 uh, newcastle open a number of times but then they didn't know what to do with the ball right so i think those are kind of more where the issues lie for me, like, you know, just the lack of effort and stuff like this. So, look, poor performance on the West Tigers. I really, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm not, I could never stop cheering for the West Tigers, but I'm kind of over it, if you know what I mean, Dr. T. I just need, um, I just need them to, uh, to, to win games or get rid of Luke Brooks. <laughs> It's where I'm at, which I'm sorry to say, because I just don't think that he's performing well. I don't think he's happy. I think he wants to leave us too. too. He is a great player, um, but I think it's just it's just gone to that point where you know uh, you know 11, 10, 11 years, however many years of just no results, and, and this is what you get to. Um, probably the final point I want to say is that um, you know it was a work colleague that did tell me about. Um, hey, did you hear about the West Tigers? You know. Um, they actually said four of their players, four of their players have, uh, you know, you know, were, were caught. And I'm like, which four? And then they said, oh, Dean, Laurie, James, and Robert. And I'm like, what? And then I realized that, yeah, when you've got two first names, you know, you just make the problem a little worse when you do something like this, right? Because non-rugby league fans <laughs> get confused and are like, what the hell? So, but yeah. But look, um, so the other thing is, that's the interesting you should say that because the other problem the Tigers had is the player with two last names, Jackson Hastings, <laughs> got into <laughs> trouble as well with the judiciary. <laughs> so, yeah, so look, Tigers uh, do not hire players that have names that are either two first names or two last names. And five uh, captains. And what, five what, what, what it's is, a lack of leadership and conf- everything's confused. Everything's just so confused there. But look, yeah, well, the Tigers, look, I think having said all that, look, uh, thank you for your insights there, Tish, as a Tigers tragic fan. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of inside info there. I still contend that this is just a media beat up that these, these kinds of stories just make things worse. It leads to a self-fulfilling prophecy of terrible performances by the Tigers. If anything, this is just going to put more and more pressure on them. And what they really need is a coach that is able to handle the media. Mm. And, and, you know, just like we've spoken in the past, the genius of the best coach of all time, Wayne Bennett, it was the way he was able to deflect attention from his players onto, you know, really onto him. 
I mean, sometimes he would say things or do things and there'd be articles about Wayne Bennett and they totally forget about the, the Broncos players or, mm. or whatever, uh, you know. And so, and that's what the best coaches need to do is to just step up and, and uh, you know, deflect the attention away from players so that they can get on with it and not worry about these things. So anyway, that's just my view. Tish, uh, let's move on to tackle number four. We're going to talk about Manly. Here we go. All right. Manly sit stone cold last at the bottom of the NRL ladder after two games, two disappointing games, uh, you know, especially the most recent one where they capitulated 26 to 12 against the Roosters. You know, I would, I think it's fair to say that not many people would have expected that after what we saw from uh, the, the Seagulls last year. And of course, let's not forget, they got flogged 28 to six in the first round by defending premiers Panthers. So um, two floggings in a row puts their four and against at a terrible position. Um, maybe they were unlucky to have caught the Panthers and the Roosters in the first two weeks. Uh, and maybe their, their, their fortunes will go up in, in the near future. But Tish, is this too early to start questioning whether Manly, has lost the plot already? And if so, why have they lost the plot so early into the season? Yeah, look, what I think is that um, with Manly last year, they started the season very slow as well, right? I think they lost their first four games and a few of them were were drubbings. Um, so, you know, so that's why I feel like uh, still kind of a bit of a, a non-issue with them, just only because they, they really haven't... Um, you know, they, they kind of uh, they kind of sort of warm into the season a little bit, right? So I don't think the alarm bells uh, should be ringing quite yet. Um, yeah, there were passages of play where you could see them coming their own, but I think they're just one of these teams where they sort of um, seem to work themselves into the season, and then you know, really, you know, after about a month's worth of footy, then they're then they're firing away. So I'd say with Manly at the moment, I think it's um, I think it's okay. Uh, for the moment, I just don't think it's 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 that. Uh, I don't think panic stations uh, should be there. I suppose the the thing that everybody's talking about is that look with um with with this team last year they didn't have for the first four weeks they didn't have Tommy Turbo right. So now this season they do have Tommy Turbo, but he he's been ineffective. Um, but I still think the jury is out. I, I suppose what's been interesting or what I have noticed is that. Uh, I think other teams have learned how to play against Tommy and maybe Manly need to have a few few more of their other playmakers take a bit more responsibility of the game and not just leave it all to uh, Tommy Trebojevic. Um, your thoughts on that, Dr. T? Yeah, look, I think I think that's always an issue when you've got one star player. Uh, once you just, you know, put your effort, defensive effort on that player it's very easy uh, to nullify the entire team if the team revolves entirely around that player and their offensive capabilities. So I think it's a case, it's definitely the case in, in, in games like soccer where uh, the, the, the opportunities for an individual brilliance are greater 
you know, you just need a, a literally a moment of brilliance from a player, you know, a couple of split seconds of brilliance and they can score you a goal. And in rugby league, probably takes a little bit more than that. You probably need, you know, you need a length of the field try or you need some some cleverness, a nice kick here and there or a chip kick or whatever. Um, or in the case of Tommy, the way he plays, he's a support player and and he also finds his way to inject himself into the 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 attack, uh, playing off you know, playing kind of like that fullback role or left center role, but also in a roving way. So that's where he was effective last year, and I think this year maybe teams are conned onto it. Um, my question is: only two games into the season, you know, is it possible that teams have have really done their research um, <laughs> in the off season? Um, because it certainly looked like no one was on top of uh, of Manly and Tommy Turbo late last year towards the end of their season and in the finals. It certainly looked like, you know, teams were struggling to contain him. So I don't know what's happened. All of a sudden teams have done their homework and now they know exactly what to do. But we are talking about the Panthers and the Roosters who are probably two of the best coached teams in uh in the NRL. So it's possible that they have specifically focused on players like Tommy Turbo and how to nullify him. Um, I don't know if it is though. And I don't, look, I think maybe it's too early in summary. I think maybe it's too early to start sounding the death knell for, for Manly. I think, as you said, last year, they also struggled and then they snuck their way into the top four with a very sort of consistent, mm. uh, gradual improvement and momentum throughout the year which was obviously um, supported by Tommy Turbo's uh, radical improvement from the beginning to the end of the year. And, you know, he he just swept everything before him, including in state of origin. And so, look, maybe it is too early uh, in summary. Um, But, yeah, Tish, any final words before we move on? Yeah, well, look, um, you know, I've heard people say that, you know, um, Manly is no longer the most hated team and stuff like this. And I'm like, well, I don't think that has changed, actually. Um, so it's only because they're just going through poor form. Um, I still think they're going to be top four-ish. So maybe, you know, maybe five and six is, is sort of the worst thing. But, um, yeah, uh, let's see how they go towards the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, so um, I think, yeah, Warriors and Tigers – because you got to remember the Rabbiters are owned too as well, right? So um, it's it's interesting how they haven't really um, – people aren't really talking about them as much as they're talking about teams like them, mainly in the West Tigers, which is kind of interesting, right? Why some teams get targeted and other teams don't. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think part of the reason is that the Rabbitohs, um, well – yeah, I mean the Rabbitohs kind of as an example, they they weren't flogged necessarily. Mm. <laughs> they they did get beaten by a Broncos team that ambushed them. I think they surprised them, but they also, as we just spoke about earlier, you know, had a, a, a epic game against the Melbourne Storm uh, in overtime. So, um, yeah, look, I think um, I think when 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 you get flogged the way Manly has. That's when when you you get sort of warning signs there. So look, the warning signs are there. Who knows if Manny, uh, you know, if anyone's going to turn them around, it's going to be Des Hasler. Des Hasler's all about the long haul, and he's got the long game in mind. He's not worried, I think, about a couple of losses. I mean, he'd be angry, but he will do everything he can to turn them around. He's not going to 
He's not going to be despondent. He's not going to say we, we, we don't have the ability. If anything, this will make him hungrier and angrier to, to make the changes that he needs to make so that Manly can get onto the, the you know, onto the winning side of the ledger. Um, yeah, all right. Well, speaking of winning, let's talk about our tackle number five about Toulouse. Here we go. All right, tackle number five is Toulouse to win. <laughs> and Toulouse Olympic, who is the new uh, the new French team in the Super League over there in the UK, have absolutely shocked, sent reverberations around mm. the rugby league world by in in a very amazing, stunning 22 to 20 victory over current champion St. Helens. And one player, um, so yeah, so the first win of the season for their for this club to lose Olympic came against the previously unbeaten Saints. Um, and look, uh, I haven't seen the game. All I all I've seen is some reports about it. So I, I do need to check it out, unfortunately. But by all accounts, um, it started. From the very beginning, the mm. Saints fumbled the kickoff. Possession went to lose. Switched the ball left. Matty Russell struck in the corner for an opening score in the first minute. <laughs> I mean, you can't get more kind of emphatic than that. So straight yeah. away, Toulouse set the tone uh, for what was going to happen in the rest of the game. Um, having said that, St. Helens struck back with uh, a great break by Conrad Harrell, um, who then, uh, I think it was Tommy Mackinson scored the try, the, that initial try for St. Helens. And, uh, but yeah, look, I think the the lead kind of went back and forth. Uh, and, and eventually we had, with 10 minutes to play, it was 20 to 18. Um, and, uh, Basically, three penalties in a row were conceded by St. Helens, gave Toulouse the, the the attack, the chance to attack, and finally Paul Marcon from Toulouse crossed in the right corner and uh, basically won them the game. Uh, I think with, yeah, it was literally like 10 minutes or so to go. Um, and unfortunately, um, even though the, the, the goal wasn't uh, – the Sorry, the try wasn't converted. Uh, it was enough for them to win twenty-two to twenty. Um, uh, it was actually sorry. It was actually with two minutes to go. So that was a an epic kind of victory, almost at the death. Similar, shall I say, to the Cronulla Sharks versus the Eels. So Cronulla Sharks have a bit of, you know, maybe maybe there's a bit of affinity there with uh, what Toulouse did here. Uh, winning in uh, almost with a minute or so to go. Um, look, Batish, the broader point is that we we have seen Toulouse arrive um, in, in the most emphatic fashion by defeating the current Premiers, St. Helens. Um, by all accounts, it sounds like it was a, a bit of a, a tussle, a bit of a back and forth. 
potentially St. Helens would look at, you know, the errors that cost them the game. So maybe they, in many ways, Toulouse might see themselves as being a bit lucky to have gotten away with this initial win. But look, a win's a win. Um, and when you're Toulouse, you like to win. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. So, Tish, it's a good sign. Uh, like I said, it was uh, on par, I think, with Ash Barty's uh, shock retirement in terms of the shock value mm. uh, as a news story. And definitely in the rugby league world, this this tells us that we've got another contender for another French team in the UK Super League. And it's a positive thing. What about you, Tish? What are your thoughts on this first up victory? Are there some good signs ahead? Uh, is it as shocking as I've just portrayed it? Uh, look, I think it's it's great, you know, and, um, you know, well done to the Frenchman of uh, Toulouse. Um, I'm not too sure where Toulouse is actually geographically located in the great country of France, um, but I don't believe it's Paris, Paris, right? I think it's uh, more south. Is that right there, Dr. T? All right. Look, Wikipedia is telling me it's a mm. city in southwestern France mm. on the Garonne River, mm. uh, and it is 150 kilometres, I think, yeah, from uh, the Mediterranean Sea. So it's certainly further south than uh, than. Uh, Paris, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. And, and look, put it this way: like it, to put it into, um, you know, to put it into an NRL context, right? We're talking about a bigger upset than the Bulldogs beating the Panthers. You know, last team's Wooden Spooners beating last year's Premiers, for example. This is even bigger than that because this is a team that's just been promoted to the Super <laughs> to. to um, the Super League, right? So, so that's where this is like completely shocking. But I think great for the you know the, for the people of Toulouse for French Rugby League. I think it's 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 absolutely great, um, you know. And you know there was uh, champagnes all all around uh, during the celebration. Um, you know, frogs' legs and snails, and um, you know even the coach made a massive <laughs> crockenbush. Um, that the players all participated in. So let's hope they could back it up um, this week with 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 more uh, with more victories and um, and and perhaps even uh, you know perhaps even uh, you know uh, you know go back to back. You know it will be uh, an Eiffel Tower like uh, performance, but I'm sure they can do it. We oui, we. Oui, well, I look forward to seeing the French uh, participate in the NRL's multicultural round. Mm. Uh, with, but look, you, like you some mentioned patisserie, the, you know, like you know, some French patisserie, maybe a croissant or something like that. Oh, the, everyone, that's a great idea. Let's uh, grab a croissant for multicultural round. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or a a macaron for the Prime Minister Macron or President Macron. Yeah, uh, something like that. Well, Look, most but, rugby league teams have oranges during the halftime. They actually have duck l'orange. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That is that is absolutely right. Uh, who knows? I think if anyone out there can tell us how do French teams uh, like what do French teams do differently in mm. a rugby league game? I mean, do they have? Look, I mean, what's their commentators like? I mean, I'm really keen to find mm. out because I think uh, we definitely need a, a stronger French influence in uh, in the you know even just UK Super League. 
let's just bite the bullet, guys, and just call it the yeah. European Super League, and just get you know get a bunch of teams from other other places and just start them up. But in saying that, I think having the Catalan Dragons and the Toulouse Olympic there as the two French representatives, uh, it's it's amazing. Look. Just to go back to your point to to kind of highlight what it means, what kind of shock value it means. Guys, think of it this way. Next year, the NRL is going to introduce a team called the Dolphins. Mm. used to be, well, I think we're thinking it's Redcliffe Dolphins, but it, it, at the moment, they're just called Dolphins. You know, this is a team that's going to be coached by Wayne Bennett in, in its inaugural year. They've already signed up a couple of players, um, mainly from Queensland, uh, to to be there in in their inaugural team, um, this will be the equivalent of them next year in their first year defeating the then current premiers Parramatta Eels uh, in 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 their first game. I think it would be a bit of that kind of shock value, um, although it wouldn't be a shock to Parramatta Eels fans because that would be typical us, um, you know, losing losing a game to the newbies straight after we win a prem, the first premiership in 40-something years. Um, this will be typical Parramatta Eels performances. But anyway, um, but yeah, so there you go. To lose, to win, congratulations to everyone in Toulouse. Touche. <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our final tackle, the round three tips. Here we go. All right, Tish. Last week, uh, you got six correct out of eight. I got four out of eight. That brings my total to 10 and your total to 12. You're already in the lead, Tish. I can't believe it. Round two, and you're already winning by two. Well done. You have uh, won the tipping so far this week, but I'm hoping that I will make amends this week. So let's quickly go through the games. The first game is the Thursday game, the local derby in southern Southern Sydney, the Mm. St. George Illawarra Dragons versus the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks. After what's been happening this week with the Dragons in off-field incidents, Mm. I am going to tip the Sharks. Okay, well, I am going to say that they're going to bounce back and tipping the Dragons. This is going to be an absolute cracker of a game, uh, I've got to say, so really looking forward to it. All right. The first Friday night game is the Tigers versus the Warriors. I'm tipping the Warriors. Yeah, well, you know what? My... um... I have no hope for the Tigers anymore. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick tipping against them. Let's go to the Warriors for this one. Oh, no. All right. Now, Rabbitohs versus Roosters, a traditional uh, you know, mm. the traditional, what shall we call it? The the Russell Crowe's favorite game. Yeah, the rivalry uh, the tradi- of all rivalries. The rivalry know. of all rivalries. Mm. Um look, you would think that the Roosters high are high off their Massive performance against Manly. But I still am tipping them to miss the top eight, and I think it starts here. The Rabbitohs are going to win this one. Okay, okay. Well, I am tipping uh, the Roosters. Um, You know, there's the Luttrell, uh, Manu sort of incident that happened last year. There was Tedesco and Jai Arrow during Origin. Um, And, you know, from all reports, apparently the Roosters are not – thinking revenge here so um which is good because i think 
if they'll play into the Rabbitohs' hands if it becomes uh, based on emotion. And I think the problem with the Rabbitohs is um, they've got a young halfback who's still developing his game. He's shown some good brilliance, but they really are missing, um, you know, uh, Adam, uh, you know, Adam Reynolds a lot. And I and I feel like it's going to be a while before they'll kick into gear. So um, the the roosters for mine on this one. All right, Panthers versus the Knights. Two teams that are doing very well so far. Yeah. And I think the Knights bubble is going to burst. I think the defending premiers of Panthers will absolutely smash them. Yeah, yeah. Well, this game is going to be taking place in Bathurst. So I think high-octane uh, attack from the Panthers is going to be too strong for Newcastle. So Panthers for mine on this one. All right. Storm versus Eels, um, our nemesis, the Storm. Wow. Always a tough one because uh, the Eels, no matter how well they're doing, they tend to crumble against the Storm. But not this time. I think the Eels will bounce back and show that they are the real premiership contenders and not pretenders like the Storm are this year. Oh, okay. Look, I am uh, – I'm, look, I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Sam. I'm going to have to tip the Storm in this one. I feel like the – the thing is, the Storm, if they play well, if they play bad, they just know how to win, right? Um, and we saw that even last week. So, uh, whereas I think the Eels are kind of suffering from uh, victory from the hands, like, you know, the, they sometimes do the play that will stop them from winning. So, uh, Eels for my, uh, look, Storm for mine, but I'll be cheering for the Eels. If the Eels could turn it around, um, then I would consider them a threat. But I think this is a real danger game for them. So, yeah, Storm for mine on this one. The quote you're looking for is that they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, meaning they had it in the bag and they just completely bottled it. Yeah. And I think uh, I'm hoping, like I said, I'm hoping that they'll turn that around. Raiders versus Titans is the other Saturday game, Saturday evening game. Um, mm. And look, this will be an interesting one, but I'm tipping the Titans in a very close one. Yeah, this is really tough as well. Um but I'm going to give it to Canberra just because of the home field advantage. But, yeah, really, really hard to predict this one, I'd say. All right, Broncos and Cowboys. So, uh, you know, uh, the, the Queensland derby, a uh, uh, repeat mm. of the, what was it, the 2016, 15, 16 grand final, whenever it was. Uh, look, I think... What we've seen so far, we obviously saw the Cowboys bounce back in emphatic fashion, but I think the Broncos are a new team completely with Reynolds there in, at the helm, and I think he's already um, proven his value. And I think the Broncos, uh, it won't be easy, but I think it'll be an, a very entertaining match, if nothing else, and they'll take that one out against the Cowboys. Okay, I'm going to go a bit crazy here. I'm going to tip the Cowboys. Because one thing struck out to me with both their games, despite losing to the Bulldogs, they've only conceded two tries, <laughs> right? So they're working on their defense, and um, I think it's a good foundation for them. So I think the Cowboys um, are going to be able to repel the Broncos, and in reverse, the Cowboys have a lot of strike power for attack as well. So Cowboys for mine. All right, and finally, Manly versus Canterbury in, mm. in the uh, Des Hazler Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Look, I think Manly will bounce back and will bounce back emphatically, uh, you know, despite the fact that we were talking about their potential fall from grace. I think, I still think the Bulldogs, 
Bulldogs, um, look, they've got a lot of potential, but they're still kind of struggling at the moment. Uh, they're not quite found their rhythm. So I think whichever team gets the rhythm quickest mm. will win this game, and I think it'll be Manly. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, um, I think Manly is getting the rhythm. Um, you know, they've been doing the uh, pasta doble in the, uh, you know, <laughs> in, uh, a bit of strictly ballroom action. So I'm going to tip Manly. I think the Bulldogs... Um, are still building, but I think Manly, this is like, um, I think this is the game that's going to be the catalyst for them turning it around. So Manly online for this one. But look, you know, already round three, it's so hard to figure out who's going to win, particularly these, you know, there's, there's, I mean, there are the top teams, but there is a, the gap between the bottom teams and the middle teams is kind of, um, you know, a lot, a lot skinnier this year. And, and I think even, uh, we've seen upsets already with like, you know, apart from Melbourne and Panthers, I think all the other teams that did well last year, we've seen a few upsets with them as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. And that brings us to the end of our tips and the end of our episode in a very special multicultural round edition of uh, the, the podcast. Once again, thank you, Tish, for your insights and uh, and your passion on this special occasion for Multicultural Round. And before we go, don't forget, everyone, to uh, uh, contact us at rlrepublic at gmail.com. Check us out on our website, www.rlrepublic.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. And, of course, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes if you like. Please leave a review and comments, etc., and download all of our episodes. And please share amongst your friends. Thank you very much for listening, for enduring us for another occasion. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T, and I'd like to thank everybody for listening for to this edition of the Rugby League Republic. Um, but unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for this episode. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now. Bye for now.